everybody. This is Marianne Maria, and welcome to Bound by Books. And today I have a very special guest with me. She's a friend and a fellow author and all around awesome, awesome woman, Ms. Sherilyn Canyon McQueen. So how are you? Oh, I'm awesome. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And I'm so glad that you joined us today. Um, we uh, haven't spoken in a, in a little while because we're, we're both busy chicks. So, yeah, we're busy children. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my so, God. My watch is talking to me. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> At least it's your watch talking to you because for me, sometimes it's my own, my own voice is talking to me. <laughs> yeah, I have so, those too. <laughs> I think it's, it's a prerequisite for anybody who wants to be an author. So. Exactly. Anyway, um, we are talking today um, industry and craft as usual, and Sherilyn has graciously offered to give us her insights. She has been uh, a, a New York Times number one bestseller many, many, many times over. I'm sure some of you, if not all of you, are familiar with her work. My personal favorite happens to be the Dark Hunter series. You know, got to love me some Ash, definitely. <laughs> so well, thank you. Um, Sherry, why don't you um, start with giving us a little bit about your 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 writing background when you started yeah. and what you've seen in your in your time in the trenches, you know, yeah. then versus oh, now. Lord. Oh my God, so so many changes. I mean, my first short, uh, my first story, or it was actually nonfiction, was published when I was in third grade. My first professional sale, I was 14 in 1978. Don't anybody do that math. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, oh my God, so, so many changes. I mean, you know, I was still in college when I sold the first book, which I won't tell you when that is because, again, that just makes me so old. <laughs> you look fabulous. Just I'm oh, telling you right you. now, you look you. fabulous. So, all right. So the, the question is, um, what do you find easier now versus harder um, in becoming an author? You know, what oh, do you think? What do you, I mean, you saw what it was like for you to become an author back in the day before eBooks, when they were still brick and mortar uh, bookstores. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, you, you, either, you had no choice but to go traditionally published, you know, trad right. published. And and there were a lot to, of them. <laughs> yes. Yes, there was. And then in, all of a sudden in 2010, it's like eBooks came onto the market and, you know, a whole new, a whole new breed of author was born and we're, you know, we're called indies. That's at least what I am, but you mm -hmm. are still a trad published author um, and well, you hybrid. a hybrid. So I would love the insight on what you, you know, what you think um, it, you find easier now versus harder now than well, you did when you first yeah, well, time to write because, you know, you've now got all the social media and stuff. But, you know, I was the first New York published bestselling author who published an ebook back in 1995. So, wow, I didn't it, realize they were that. It, it was 95. I, I always yeah, thought, because yeah. I remember the first time I ever saw somebody with a Kindle. I was on, an, mm -hmm. on a plane heading toward heading to Hawaii and this woman in front of me, you know, like catty corner from me had this device. And I was like, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? <laughs> and that was in two th that was in 2007. Right. So, right. you know, yeah, so. Yeah. So what was it like publishing an e-book an, an e in, in 1995? Well, back then they were on discs and you'd give them to people and they'd be like, what do I do with this? Well, you put it in and you can read it on your computer. 
And then, of course, it was why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the internet was still in its infancy. Well, not the internet, but the web was still in its infancy. You know, so you took a lot of flack back then. I mean, it wasn't considered being published. You know, the authors who were doing it were ridiculed and mocked. And I remember sitting down, oh, God, I want to say it probably was around 2006 when Kindle first came out and Matthew Shear, who's since passed. But I remember him. And I'm, I'm like, Matthew, you know, you got to prepare for this. It's coming. Ebooks are coming. They're, they've been around. They're not going anywhere. And he made the comment, that's such a little bitty portion of ourselves. Why should we even bother worrying about that? Okay. Today, you know, it's like, yeah, guys, y'all y'all did not prepare yourselves for this day, which I'm glad to see because, you know, like my son's an author. He now has options that we didn't have back in the day. You know, it was traditional or nothing. And you sold away your, your baby or soul to those contracts, and now they won't release them. So... Yeah, you know, but the hardest thing today really is just finding the time. You know, back then I didn't have to check Facebook. I didn't have to worry about making TikTok videos. I didn't have to worry about Instagram. I could focus on writing and it was so wonderful. You know, the only time that I had to do social media was my mailbox. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I remember getting bucket loads and uh, somewhere I think you can still find pictures where, I mean, it'd be like a four or five foot tall stack of letters, actual letters that you'd have to handwrite them back out, which took time too, but you could kind of, you know, I'd do it when my kids were doing sports or, you know, um, getting my hair done, those kinds of things is when I would answer them all. So, you know, but the bad thing is you didn't get to interact with the fans like you do today. So it's kind of just a, a give and take. Yeah, yeah. And social media is a big part of marketing now. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I remember when I first started, you know, because I've been only writing for, you know, I, I became an indie in 20, in, in 2014. Um, mm -hmm. I got my rights back from a, from a, a small press um, in 2013. And, and I republished my first three books at that point in time in 2014. And um, I remember thinking, well, Trad, you know, trad published authors have the, you know, the tiger by the tail, you know, they have a big, huge publishing company who's going to do everything for them. Sorry. They don't have to do anything. <laughs> Sorry. And, I love that myth. I love uh, that myth. Yeah, it is, it is a myth. And you know what? It was, it was propagated for a really long time mm -hmm. that people mm -hmm. thought that, that that was the way. I mean, it is yeah. a way, but it is not the way, you know, right. I mean, there's plenty of opportunity for, for indie authors. Now that wasn't always the case. Cause I remember being the bastard stepchild back in 2010, yeah. you oh, know, yeah, yeah. Like I said, 1995, they were throwing rocks at us. So yeah, yeah no, it was illegitimate. It was That's basically yeah. what it was illegitimate. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were not an author, you know, if you didn't have a publishing yeah. company. So, and, uh, and, and now that's changed and the, you know, the publishing company's tunes have changed too well and the readers so. have because now readers automatically assume that we're all independent now and you know um carol and i were talking about that when we were down at books on the beach um you know back in the day they'd be, why won't your publisher but now it's why aren't you and it's like i have a contract i can't do that you know yeah. if i break the contract my publisher will legally come after me and we can't do that you know i i have to go get that permission now Unless yeah. it is my independent works, which is why I'm hybrid, because, right. I, you know, there, there are some books I can do anything I want to. But if I've got a contract, I am beholding to them for eternity. Yes. Because like you said, you know, back in the day, 
um, Paradise City, Born of Night, Born of Fire was able to get the rights back. You try that today, their rights to books I've been attempting to get now for almost 20 years that they're like, no, yep. it can't happen. Even yep. though they're not doing anything with them, they won't release them. No, it's almost like they're like they, they hold them hostage a little bit <laughs> anyway. So, all right. I have to ask this question. Um, are you a plotter or a pantser? I am a thorough pantser. Are you? Oh, my God, yes. Girl, I have known you forever. <laughs> I, I, I just, wow. I tried oh to my plot God. Once, it was a disaster. Yeah, no, I'd never plot. See, now I want to crawl around inside your brain because it's like, <laughs> because cannot believe that you have crafted these thousand, I mean, Ash is a thousand pages and it's, you know, Asheron. Yeah. And it, and if you pant, you pantsed that entire book with all of its <laughs> twists and turns and depth. And I sobbed reading that book. Oh, oh my God. You. Oh, Thank you. You know, and, and you know, it, it's got a place of honor on my bookshelf. <laughs> it does. So, I love you. But, Thank you. I love you too. But, um, I'm so surprised. I'm so surprised. Wow. That is, that makes you absolutely prolific. I mean, I thought you were prolific before, but that makes you absolutely prolific. And I'm not blowing sunshine up your, up your, but when we were talking earlier, trust your characters, trust where they're leading you. Let them dictate the story. Just follow them. Don't try and control them. Let those little children run free into the wild. They will seldom lead you astray. I won't say they never do. (laughs) That would be a lie. Yeah, I, I mean, trusting my characters. I mean, I it, it's it, I've I've done so, but like I, you and I were talking before, I'm having t- you know eight books in a series um, reviewed now for re-release, mm-hmm. and you know, I it's it's funny how certain readers gives you different takes on on, on what's yeah. going you know going on, and actually, I had one uh, come back to me and said, you know, because she is critiquing for me, um, right. saying. Now I really want to know the backstory of this character. You have to write the book through the backstory of this character. <laughs> so I was like, just read all eight, please. <laughs> just finish it, finish it so that I that I that I can get your your final verdict and I know where I'm gonna go from there. But I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have that a plaque made. I'm gonna put it on my wall. It says trust your characters because exactly. you know it's it's uh it is. It's it's your baby, and you have to you have to know where your story is going in your head, and you can't let anybody influence you because it, right. it becomes a situation like writing to trend. You know, yeah. and, you know, writing to trend can work, but it's, it's never really, it never really becomes a passion. It becomes a chore yeah. at that point. Exactly. So, yeah, and it's hard because, I mean, you know, we love our readers and, you know, the, the most gutting thing you can ever tell somebody is, well, I didn't like your book. We don't want to hear that. I mean, I, even when it's true, it's like it, it will, it can destroy our ability to create for days, sometimes weeks. I've had friends in the past they never wrote another book because they couldn't handle the criticism. And, you know, when it's constructive, that is very, very helpful. But, you know, like I was telling you, the you have to find the audience. And I'm saying find people who love everything you do because you do need, there is criticism. You know, I, I have my better beta readers on every book who will <sighs> heavily criticize me. <laughs> but you, at the end of the day, you have to be true to the characters because nobody knows them the way you do. And, you know, I, I remember early in my career, um, Kathy Maxwell and I were in a critique group with another writer and she had handed her book over to a publisher. And they're like, oh, here, make all these changes to it. She's like, oh my God, I'm this close to getting published. So she made all the changes. 
and then sent it back to them. And of course, it had destroyed the book. And Kathy and I are like, when she was doing it, going, don't do this. Don't, don't, don't. Like writing to trend. It's what they were trying to do with her. And, you know, we luckily convinced her to change it all back. The next publisher she sent it to published it. And she so, probably had wild success with it, correct? Well, yeah. And then she never wrote another book again. <laughs> oh, that's too but, bad. You know, yeah, it was. It was, but it was a great book. I mean, it was it was a massive award winning best selling book. So you don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's hard because, like I said, and you know, the most gutting thing in the world is when somebody doesn't like it because that is your child. Yeah. And you're like, you know, how do you come back to that? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Here, read Marianne. She's great. You know. <laughs> seriously, no, not seriously. That I'm great. Seriously, that you're correct. <laughs> so, but I am great. No, we wouldn't be friends otherwise. So, uh, um, where do you get your inspiration? I gotta ask because now I just said I wanted to crawl around your brain, and that makes me sound like a real <laughs> creeper. And you know me well enough to know that I'm not a creeper. But where do you get your inspiration? I know where I get my inspiration from. You know, I, it's usually, you know, observing people, but where yeah. do, where does yours come and, and nightmares, nightmares that I have? Oh God. Yeah. Nightmare. Yeah. But I, everywhere. I mean, you know, I'm driving back in my little golf cart from getting my hair done and I had three new ideas occur to me and I don't even know why. I mean, I'm sitting there trying to get back here. So, you know, I was a little late, but I'm dodging traffic. And I'm like, oh, Wait a minute. And I, I don't know. I mean, Maddie and I talk about that a lot, a lot because he's mom. How do I, you know, I can't. Like, yeah, you can go for a walk. You know, um, sometimes thinking in the shower. Oh, yeah. It sounds Absolutely. so creepy to people who aren't writers. But I mean, you're just doing going through the routine brush, you know, brushing your hair, washing wow. your hair. And suddenly that that plot point you've been working for is there because you're not thinking about it. Right. Then I agree. Yeah, you're running out in a towel with suds going, don't look at me, kids. I'm going to write this down. Hang on. You know, yeah. it, I, it, I keep a pad weird. next to my bed, you know, because sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. You know, something mm -hmm. will strike me and I'll have to write it down because it's like I, I you know, I liken it to um, when a leaf falls down on falls from a tree into a stream. You know, you see it for a little while and then it gets too far away and you can't you can't see it anymore. Those are what those 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 drops of of inspiration or like if you don't catch yeah. them when the ripple effect is strong and you can actually see that ripple in the water it, it gets yeah. too far out and then you then you lose it and then exactly. you're sitting there going what the hell was that that was so good yeah. i know it was so good and then right. it's gone yeah. it's gone and, yeah you know? and it can be ran you know like i was watching storm chasers and the newscaster came on and started talking about hail h-a-i-l and my brain went Hell chasers. <gasps> and then I got a whole series based on a weather broadcast. I mean, you know, yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, I hell chaser. Yeah. You know, I, I did a uh, um, last last June. I did a uh, 8000 short, you know, 8000 word short story for an anthology mm -hmm. for it was summer solstice shenanigans or something. It was an urban oh, fantasy okay. thing. And it had to be an original thing. Couldn't be something you published before, but mm -hmm. it could be linked to an, a you know, series. So I thought to myself, what could I do? That was an offshoot of some of my, you know, of, of my of my series that would that would mm -hmm. work. And I put together a uh, the beginnings of a vampire mafia. 
you know, and, and, you know, it, it, it got chosen to be put in. I had to, you know, it had to go five first 500 words. And then they, you submit the first eight, you know, they ate the whole 8,000. That was the cap mm-hmm. and right. it got chosen to go in. And I thought to myself, now this is something I want to run with, you know, yeah, and, yeah. I, you know, so I've been kind of chipping away at it, working on it while right. I'm doing other things, because I love it when you have a main series like you have, and mm-hmm. I have, and then you have offshoots of those series because, right. and you yeah. have the characters come back and make cameo appearances and you, you right. do crossovers. It, it just kind of makes the world, it grows. And then it's, it's, uh, it, it becomes just even, even richer, Organic. you know? And yeah. 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 I mean, what, what is your favorite part of creating a series? You've got your inspiration now. Is it the world building? Is it, is it putting characters together? Is it, you know, what is your fate? What, what kind of really gets your creative juices going? Is it building the world or, or expanding a world or? Well, I, that's a hard one. Cause I, I do, you know, my, my little geeky thing is like conlanging. So I've got all these languages I've created, you know, a couple for dark hunter, like the Chthonians, but you know, when you're talking the league series, I've got extensive vocabularies and, you know, you could actually speak in Darien or Trezani. I've got all that worked out, you know, and I have these 3D modelers to re- models to where you can actually go on my computer and run around the Acadian universe so that I know exactly how many days of travel it would be from, say, Karen to Enderia or to an offshoot of, you know, this outpost or to the Goturnum base, you know. So I, I won't say no to the world building because I think I take it to the oomph degree, but I, the characters are what motivate the story, you know, and every time there's a character that's actually been in the series, and I can't tell because it's a spoiler, but, you know, the particular the League series, that I'm dying to out the character and what they're, what you actually have been seeing. And, you know, especially when the fans are asking questions, you're like, and I want to write the book, but I've got, it needs a couple of books to set it up. Uh-huh. Because you've got to understand the conflict that's going to be in that book. And you really need, there are two books I have to do before I can get to that one. And that that's, yeah. So it's all of it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, it's world building. And then the characters within those worlds, I, I had a, 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 a previous podcast that I recorded with Tina Moss, who's the the publisher from uh, who owns city city owl. And she's also one of mm-hmm. our round robiners and a friend. And um, she does sci-fi romance. And she says she's got extensive Excel files with, a, with oh, yeah. the characters and the worlds and the, you know, the languages and the, you know, the, the different, the different cultures and not even just, just the physical characteristics, but everything. And it's so right. broad and expansive. And I thought to myself, and I've got my little vampire world with my shifters. So, well, you know. vampire, tell her she needs to take those databases or Excel worksheets, go to campfire writing because it's an online service that my son actually turned me on to. I wish they'd had it back in the day because I actually, I built my own database a 30 years ago that I'm still using and having to update. Um, Cause you know, let's say it was a DOS program oh, and, getting it, <laughs> and getting it to work <laughs> on the current ones. But you know, it it's it holding 300,000 years of, of dark hunter history. So to try and, <laughs> and you know, I've been writing dark hunter since 1984, taking all those spreadsheets and putting them on campfire a little tedious and I, by the time I do that I could write three or four books yeah but for those 
people who don't have for God, I hesitate to say this, 40 years of history they've built. Um, Campfire, you know, any project I do going forward, I'm going to be building on it because that's great. They, they have the best writer's tools I've seen. I'll have to look into that. And for you kitties out there that don't know what DOS is, it's a very, very primitive computer language. <laughs> Before we had Windows. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like the equivalent of, of, of discovering fire. <laughs> so... Anyway, um, so drum roll, what are you working on now? Oh, what I'm working on now, Ash and Sticks. I know my Ash publisher's like, you're supposed to be finishing up your edits on Xander's book. And it's like, I am, I am, but, you know, I'm, I'm halfway through Ash and Sticks. And, you know, it's actually good for me because it, having gone back to, you know, gosh, I wrote Ash in 2006. Um, and I wrote sticks, what, 2012, 2011? Being able to go back, it's like there are things now, oh, you know, I should have included this because I, I won't say that I forget things, but yes, we all know writers do. I mean, you know, again, I've been writing Dark Hunter now for 40 years. So there are these tiny little details that sometimes you forget. So I'm really grateful that I went back and did this because it, it's, you know, just this tiny little kernel where, oh, yeah, that will deepen this. So I'm, I'm yeah. I need to, I can't wait to get back on my edits with Xander. Do you ever go back and reread your own work? There are too many. <laughs> You're talking over a hundred. Do books. you have a favorite? Uh, no, that's like asking me. My, well, okay. I can't say this anymore. It's like asking me for my favorite child, but I do have a favorite child now. So <laughs> the yes. grandbaby wins. Yeah. The grandbabies, Every, oh, grandbabies always win. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. My son's like, wait, I think I handed you my replacement. <laughs> no, of course you didn't. Shh, don't tell him. Yes, he did. <laughs> Attic 2.0. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, people ask me if I have favorites too. I don't say I have a favorite book. I say I have favorite series. You know, it doesn't yeah, mean I, I love them less, but mm. I have favorite series. So yeah. Do you well, have what favorite yeah, series of yours? No, no, no. If I don't, I wouldn't write them. And yeah. you know, things. Dead Man's Cross, I want to do another book, but my publisher's like, no, it was a trilogy, no more. I may eventually do one independent. I haven't decided. If I get time, you know, unfortunately. Um, yeah. When do you know it's time to end a series? I never have, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's good to know. That's good to know. What? You know, well, my publisher told me I can't write any more Dead Man's Cross, so... Um, no, I've never, and like I said, even it, it's still in my head, you know, and it's a continuation of Seawolves, which I would published what in the 1990s, they all tie in. So, I mean, so, but you do take hiatus from certain series to write other ones only because, and that's usually contractual. I mean, and now it's time to, you know, um, but no, the contracts usually dictate what I write and when, sadly, not the actual book, but the series itself, because, you know, we, we need the, we need another Dark Hunter book. We need another League book. So, yeah. I actually, I have a, a, a author acquaintance um, who writes uh, witchy, uh, cozy mysteries, Amanda <laughs> Lee, and she writes so many books ahead of her publishing schedule so that yeah. she's got a bank of books that puts she can put out and do marketing for while she's writing other things do you think do you do that as well or or is it just um, your 
you're turning, you're putting them out as you're finishing them. You got to remember, I had a four year involuntary hiatus recently where, not, oh no, it was longer than that. It was what, eight years of a hiatus where, you know, because of one human being, my thoughts were not on the writing and was doing everything they could to destroy the writing. So anything that I have like that has been used up already, sadly. And yeah. now I'm trying that, that's one of the things that why I can't do the Dead Man's Cross book. I'm playing catch up, you know, and that was one of the frustrating. Yes. Okay. I, I, we weren't going to talk about the big D, but we will talk about it in terms of this. You know, the most frustrating part where I had the idiot judge and the idiot attorneys going, well, why can't you write a book? Well, I don't understand why you can't write a book. Well, when you're being hauled into court every five to 10 days, Nobody, you know, instead of having to answer 150 page deposition, you know, so how in the world, there's no time to do anything creative. I can't have my brain free. No, and people who, people who are not creatives, um, when they have, you know, basically a textbook of do's and don'ts to follow and they're, they're, you know, there's, there's, they don't understand the creative process and, and the creative well that gets drained when stress hits you yeah and the kind of stresses that you went through it's amazing that you have been able to bounce back the way you have and as strongly as you have i mean uh, you know if if you're watching if you're just listening to us you know um on on spotify or on apple um sherry has her backdrop and it's it's a brand new logo and it says Sherilyn mcqueen i know i introduced her as Sherilyn kenyon mcqueen but that's because she still has books out that are still under you know Sherilyn kenyon but our queen of shadows is still our queen of shadows even if she is Sherilyn mcqueen and you know it's a it's a complete rebrand phoenix rise from the from from the ashes and um you are to be commended my love you are to absolutely be be commended and uh i don't know if i don't know many people who could do that who could come back from such a horrific explosion in your personal life to be able that that has bled over into a professional life that has been so a magnanimous you know so so magnificent and to be able to have the kind of uh rebirth that you've had you know was the was the was the rebrand hard i mean i know that that's a trite question but was the rebranding very hard well the personally i don't think so i was killing mcgregor and i'm you know for those who don't know my career has been like this it's unfortunately it was never that um you know in the 90s i published a sherilyn kenyon and for what you know the market changed and once the market changes, you, you, especially back in the 90s when all you had were, was traditional publishing, my career was basically over. Um, and then when I came back, only because the woman who had been my agent ended up having a job as an editor and took mercy on me. And that was why we did Kenley McGregor, because back then it was the sales accounts that want them to know you're Sherilyn Kenyon. So Kenley McGregor was born. Kenley McGregor at the time I sold Dark Hunter was just getting off the ground. And there was actually a fight between my two publishers where the one that had, you know, I, I was just hitting list. I'd had um, as Kenley McGregor, the highest first time print run for any author at, um, at that time, Harper Collins. 
And so they're like, don't you dare derail what we're building by using Kelly McGregor to write that vampire crap nobody will read. <laughs> so we had to do a whole multiple, you know, Kelly McGregor and Sherilyn Kenyon were never supposed to meet. And then, you know, once Dark Hunter came out, Kenyon quickly overtook McGregor. So, I mean, I've done the rebranding before. This time, my publisher's like, no, we can't do that. People won't be able to find you. It's like, no, they, they, I, I have faith in my readers. They know who I am, but they won't let me rebrand. So, but I, I am not, I am legally a McQueen. I am no longer a Kenyan. I really cringeworthy name now. And it's what it is, but you it know, is you know, the Kenyan, the Sherilyn Kenyon books are built between me. I'm sorry, I'm watching my son play with his dog out there. He's trying to get the beast back up the stairs. But, you know, it is a brand that I built by myself with my fans. You know, I couldn't have done yes. it alone. Fans are the ones who built this brand. It is ours. And why should we let, I fought hard as you, you particularly yeah. know. Yes, I do. Well, to keep every series, every character. I mean, they were threatening to take everything, all my contracts, everything from me. It was a long, hard battle, but I got it. And, you know, so every time I look at Kenyon now. It's bittersweet. It is, yeah, it's very bittersweet, but it, these are my world. This is my writing. And I look at it now like just another pseudonym. But I do have to be careful because now everybody keeps wanting, you know, my IDs are all the queen. And now they keep trying to book everything under Kenyon. So checking into the hotels are hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now uh, all your readership knows that you are Sherilyn McQueen. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, this is where I think when we were talking about the easier, easier versus hard back in the day versus now is yeah. that through social media, your, your fan base has been able to follow this horrific journey with you over the course yeah. of the last four years. So they know what you've been through. Um, yeah. Maybe, you know, not to the point that some of us who are in, you know, who are part of your friend group would know, mm -hmm. but enough to know that you rebranding yourself as Sherilyn McQueen is something that should be applauded and should be celebrated yeah. and should be, you know, looked at as a, as a, a success. And like I said, you know, you know, uh, 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 rising from the ash type of a thing. Right. And the fact, and it's kind of ironic that rising from the ash and ash and six is going to be, you know, put out. I mean, I just, right. you know, I hear ash well, and I, and I get, I get my, the hair on my arms goes up, you know, when you talk about it, him. Well, you know, you brought up social media. I think you were with me in New York Mm -hmm. When the other side was calling my fan group, they, they were on my Facebook account, yes. which is owned by the publisher, insulting my fans and calling me all, you know, calling me crazy, calling me a hack. You know, my favorite was that I was a plagiarist, but they never said what I was supposedly plagiarized. It's it's, it's smear cool. smear campaigns that are you know in in, in in down and dirty divorces happen, and oh, yeah. you know, and well, I just it was the attorney that's what killed me. It was the attorney who was actually doing this, and they were attacking the fans. They were calling the fans all kinds of names, and you know that that's where it's just like okay, you know, they did everything they could to destroy it, but. You know, God bless my fans. God bless you guys. I mean, I'm so grateful for, you know, yep. my I wouldn't be here, but for my friends and my fans. So you what's know, fans. what's next for Sherilyn McQueen? Um, keep going. You know, I'm at my rebuild again. <laughs> you know, my number one thing is I would like to get a bed. I'm tired of sleeping on the couch, but 
<laughs> well, instead, that really was my, you know, the Kickstarter thing that we were talking about that I did. My only goal is I want enough money left over. I can buy a bed. <laughs> Sweetie, you just move. Give yourself a break. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, I anything else you would like to words of wisdom or or a little, never little, get little, married. little <laughs> never get married. <laughs> Yeah, that actually has become, you know, my big soapbox thing now, because I was published before I got married. Nobody in all the workshops and everything that we attend, and you know, I mean, how many, have you ever heard anybody tell you that in in marriage, they own half of whatever you create? Well, you know, prenup, prenuptial agreements, and uh, those were not that popular. I mean, I'm married 30 years it wasn't mm-hmm. something that, I mean, you start with nothing, so there's no reason to have a prenup. You know, prenups were for people who had trust funds and, and, right. and generational wealth and so forth. Um, they didn't realize that people can attach themselves to things that you build together. So, I'm, I mean, at, at that point, I mean, who thinks about it? You know, they're not as... You know, you, you said build together. He never helped. In fact, he was a detriment to my career. You know, there were times I had to write in a closet because he didn't want to look at it. He didn't want to hear about it. He didn't want to know about it. You know, and I think you've heard my keynote speech where long before the divorce, where I talked about having to steal two stamps out of his wallet because he literally had forbidden me to do any more submissions. You know, so I built my career Mm -hmm. in spite of him. And then suddenly I'm told that everything I've ever done, even the stuff before I ever met him, he now owns half of. That is insanity. Yeah, I I understand that it's property legally, but the laws need to change, you know, because you know what I do. And that is you're talking about rebranding your book as authors. This is my baby. If If I'm not pushing this, this does not sell, you know, with a handful of exception of some authors. But the vast majority, we are that book and that book is us. And if we're not alive to push it. It goes, you know, even you take something like Forever Amber, which was one of the best-selling books of all time when it came out. Nobody, I can't even remember who wrote it, and I loved it back yeah. in the day when I read it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah, you know, the minute you die, you may have a little boost, but then the books are gone forever. Yeah. You know, unless you're one of the lucky ones like V.C. Andrews or your estate hires a ghostwriter, yeah. nobody will remember you. And so the whole concept of they own half of all the work you have to put into it, is ridiculous, in my opinion. Unfortunately, this, these are things that people need to. We we discussed this at a um, a convention that I had been to last summer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, before my before my life went up in, in flames in terms of uh, my writing life went up in flames in terms of, mm-hmm. of selling my house, moving, having to live in an Airbnb for four months before my house was ready. Then you know, coming home and having my dad get you know get, dad get dad get really sick and then pass away and then surgery because of my knee from a car accident. So it's just been this year has just been crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the fact that I wrote three books this year is a lot. You know, considering. Right, right. But um, last summer at Orlando Reads Books, we, they were talking about how you need to get your legal ducks in a row to know it's almost like you have to have a death plan of who's mm-hmm. going to who's going to inherit the the, the copyrights, who, oh, you know, yeah. who the beneficiaries are to it, and yeah. and um, how you want them to proceed, whether or not you want them to, you know, uh, um, continue. Or you want to have mm-hmm. the board manage them, or if you want them right. to, to to put out anniversary editions or what have you, you have to have it all 
delineated out and and signed, sealed, and delivered legally in order right. to protect those copyrights. You know, and, and also oh. you have to direct people as to you have to make sure that that your your links to your accounts and your whether yes. you're a, uh, whether it's a publisher or whether it's a KDP account or you right. know if you're if you're still indie yeah. but you're wide you know all those passwords and how right. to get into it and so forth yeah. there is a lot to think about other than just putting words on a page and hitting exactly. hitting the heading publish you know there's exactly. there's a lot yeah. to think about well, and you talked about prenups, and they're a good, great idea, especially if you're a writer. However, I have a friend, they threw it out in the, their divorce. Judge just didn't like it and invalidated the prenup. And I what do you do? Know. I don't know how that's, I mean, unless there was a problem. Unless there was a problem. After what, I've been, through, you, uh, after what I've been through, are you really going to go there? No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> no, and I would, and I, you nope. know. It, it's terrible. The injustice that's done to people every day is horrific. You know, and again, I, I really think because there, there is nothing for publishing law that protects authors. They try to compare us to music and we're not, we don't have catalogs like musicians do, you know, and you can't compare apples to, it's not even oranges. I mean, they're kind of the same thing. We're talking an apple to a truck. Yeah. No, so. uh, the IP IP attorneys are. Um, I didn't know what an IP attorney was back in the day, but an IP That's attorney is somebody that 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 all authors, when you get to a certain certain place in your in your career, that you need to you need to contact and you need to figure mm -hmm. out what is what's what in terms of what your what your rights are. You know, whether or not, you know, if you're with a publisher, you know, what that what that entails. And I wouldn't take step one to step two if you were going to be traditionally published without having an attorney look at look at your contracts to make sure what but you again, own and what you don't. But so, again, IP attorneys don't understand publishing with a handful of exceptions. And that's tragic unless you're dealing with somebody out in New York charging you a whole lot of money. The average IP attorney, remember, I was in Nashville. You, you can't throw a stick without hitting 10 IP attorneys in Nashville. But they, even though one of the, I'm sorry, I dealt with during the divorce, he was on the same floor as, brace yourself, Hachette. Hachette has a whole division in Nashville. He was shared an elevator bank. They went left, he went right. And he couldn't even be bothered to take 10 steps to go ask them any questions. Yeah. I mean, you know, to understand it. And he was an attorney. So, I mean, ugh, it's just, it's yeah. tragic. The music industry is the music industry can in some, some, some respects be a kissing cousin to publishing. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's not, it's, it, it, you know, it's yeah. the same, same tree, different branch, you know, yeah, exactly. Definitely well, same tree, different branch. Creative. I mean, yep. you know, and there are songwriters, but how the songs are licensed and all that completely, completely different. different. Yeah. Completely yeah. different. Same thing with film, you know, mm -hmm. same thing with film. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know? so. Absolutely. But yeah, and I wish that our writing organizations would bring in the people to, to talk to us, to tell us and explain all this to us. I wish I had known it 30 years ago. For, well, okay, 40 years ago when I got started, seriously. Do you writing. think that these are things that should be addressed at, at, um, at in on industry days at at conventions because a lot of a lot of aspiring authors go to conventions because it gives them face time with readers it gives them an opportunity to work on you know not because branding is not just 
your book covers and your logo and, you know, and mm-hmm. so forth. You brand yourself as well, you know, and you, you know, you, you, you brand your, I guess your, your genre, you know what I mean? You're, mm-hmm. You, you brand yourself within that genre and so forth. Right. So, I mean, talking about the net, the nuts and bolts of publishing and the yeah. nuts and bolts of marketing and so forth. Do you think that there should be protections discussed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. don't get me started on bankruptcy and what the bankruptcy court was trying to do with my rights and my contracts and books. I mean, they were telling me, as you know, because we had a long in New York, a long lengthy conversation about this. They were threatening to put me in jail and make me write for free, you know, and you're like, what? You're going to sell my contracts off, but you expect me to write for free to whoever buys them and make no money to live off of. Are you out of your mind? You know, and, and, you know, so it's not just the marriage thing it's bankruptcy and nobody again talks about these issues and it's not just newbie writers keep in mind you know i've been doing this since 19 my first book sale was um god when was it nine uh yeah 1991 you know and my first short story was 1978 so i've got i had had years and years the divorce didn't start to 2018 i was a multi-number one new york times bestseller i didn't know any of this and i'd had IP attorneys on retainer for years. And, you know, the ex was an attorney too. And I put him through law school. I read all of his legal books. But, you know, it's frustrating. These were things that the books don't talk about until you find yourself, you know, there's nothing really on the bankruptcy code. You're at the mercy of the trustee and their lack of knowledge. If they don't want to educate themselves or the judge doesn't want to hear it, which was a big problem, then you're screwed. And we need somebody, we need a whole bank of experts that we can call on when you're in bankruptcy or you're going through a divorce to have an expert come in and go, no, let me explain to you, this is why publishing is different. We don't have that. And we know. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. And I also think that um, people go into it thinking, oh, that that this is the worst case scenario. I'm never going to go through what Sherilyn went through. And I hope you know they don't. (laughs) <laughs> and you, you never know because yeah. you don't, life doesn't, I mean, the, you just like being a pantser in a novel, you don't know what's going to happen next. No. You know, no. you're, you know, people live their lives. You can plot your life, you can plan your life, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always go according to what you think it's going to be. Nobody yeah. on the day that they, that they get married thinks that 30 years later that they're yeah. going to have someone try and do dirt, do them dirty. And, right. you know, so you, I guess that it is something where you have to, you have to put foreshadowing, you have to put foreshadowing in your books, but you also have to put foreshadowing into, into, into life as well exactly. in the worst case scenario folder and how you're yeah. going to protect yourself. And some people may cringe at that because they, they may think it's a slap in their a slap in the face to their child or the, you know, their, their, yeah. their current partner or their child, because children, do you ever see that movie knives out? I mean, it's, it's, you know, don't know yeah, what money does weird thing, you know, and I, you know, I, I was talking to a writer at DragonCon and she's like, Oh no, you don't understand my relationship with my husband. We've been married for X. And it's like, honey, I knew mine for 35 years. We were married for 30 years. This was not a six month relationship. Right. You know, I thought I knew this person. My children thought they knew him and we were wrong. I mean, you, you don't trust me. You don't know who you're going to bed with at night. I'm telling you right now. Well, God have mercy on your soul. 
You know, and I, I hope to God nobody ever has it because nobody should be dragged through, especially between federal and state court, the crap I had to deal with. That, that's why I want to talk about these issues, because I want you to be protected. I don't want anybody to nobody should have this. You know, and especially with 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 indie publisher with indie publishing, you know, and with trad publishing, you know, you have an idea, you write a book, you know, it they, they it goes through their editing process. It could be two years before that book hits the shelves, you know, because of just how how convoluted trad publishing can be, yeah. especially you know, and and by the time you know by the time something gets gets on a shelf, you could either be writing two or three more books, you know, if not more. Yeah. So, but with indie works. You know, you 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 write the book, you publish it, you know, and then you're yeah. usually you're writing other books, you know, to, to right, for, right. for rapid releases to try and keep the momentum, and you never know what's going to what's going to hit, and, no. and if it's going to hit, and how quickly that success right. can hit you. I mean, I, like I remember, Colleen Hoover, yeah, yeah, well, Kyle, we know about Colleen Hoover. You know, right. my God, look what she has done with indie. I mean, she's got trad now, but she was indie and she lit the world on fire. Right. You don't know. And if so, if you know, if if all of a sudden you know your your popularity and your sales figures skyrocket, you know, just a yeah. ninety degree angle straight up, you yeah. know what I mean? Do you know how to handle that? Would you know how to handle the the tax ramifications of it? And not just would you know how to handle that? I mean, I'm I'm not I don't mean you. I'm you. I mean, yeah. I'm talking just in general no, as no, somebody, right. as an indie yeah. author, you know, a lot of times we're not schooled in these things. And, you know, the, uh, no, I would love to be able to. Put, yeah, I, I would love to be able to, to find resources. Yeah, but they're so few and far between. And I mean, and like you said, you look at somebody like Charlene Harris. Charlene had been writing for how many decades? 20, before, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Before her books took off, like, you know, overnight. And I'm glad, you know, yeah. oh, thank God. Or George R. R. Martin, oh, my God, who would have ever seen Game of Thrones coming? You know, that could be you at any moment. And hopefully it will be. But like yep. you said, you need to be prepared. You know, Kathy Maxwell, um, God, in the 90s, we were sitting around her kitchen table. She told me back then the best writing advice I've ever been given, which is sign every contract like you're going to be um well, back then she said John Grisham, but you know, today like J.K. Rowling, because you don't know, you really don't know, right, right, and you have to go into it like you're. And this is something that I also uh, I, I I put to put out there to you know aspiring authors is that um, professionalism. I remember you and I standing online at an event um, waiting to go through the buffet line. And I was, you know, and so many people were walking by and because I was standing with you. They were like all giggly and so forth. But there were people that I knew by name. And you said to me, if you know everybody by name, it's it's like a home base, but you have to ex you have to expand to other events because it means mm -hmm. that your readership is starting to stagnate. And, yeah. you know, and I have started to do that. I have started to branch out and go to other events and so forth. And I think it's the same thing when you're when you're looking towards social media, too, is mm -hmm. that, you know, if it's the same core people, you know, like even on your on your newsletter and so forth, that you need to try and and reach more people, put yourself out there more. And for a lot of people who are introverts, because I think you and I are very similar, we're extroverted introverts, you know, we'd rather be mm -hmm. home, but we push yeah. ourselves to be out, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot to take in. 
it's a lot to, mm-hmm. to try and, and master. And, right. you know, anyway, um, I think, I think we're probably well over time. We may have to split this into interview, you know, Sherilyn Kenyon, part one and part two, <laughs> Sherilyn McQueen. Let me add, since we're a little over time, let me add to what you were saying. I mean, that's why I do like DragonCon every year, Comic-Con there. I have my core events with my core readers, but that's why I always make sure I do at least two to three different events every like books at the beach i've never done that before right and it's like yeah go into those areas and you know you do there are all the people who know who you are but then there are ones going well i've never read one of your books what you got (laughs) you know you're like yeah yeah especially (laughs) after a four-year a four-year hiatus people are probably wondering what you've got new what new tricks you've got up your sleeves so um You know, it's, I'm so glad that to see that you're getting yourself out there again. And um, I hope DragonCon was a success for you, oh, you know. So, oh, uh, you know, I haven't been anywhere near New York City in, in a year. So I, mm-hmm. you know, because of everything going on. And, uh, you know, I, I would, you know, if you ever decide you're going to come up and, and do New York Comic Con again, you know, I will be there. <laughs> so I'm hoping. And you need to come down. We're doing books and barbecue next October. Not this October, but in 2023, you need to come down here. It's going to be amazing. We're going to talk books. We're going to meet readers and we're going to have barbecue. Wow. Delicious barbecue. <laughs> you need to go to that. Well, if you give me the info, I will definitely look into it. Well, so, and, Con. and you know, you're welcome at my booth anytime. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. Well, this is Mary Amarea, and with the absolutely lovely and pro- prolific, wonderful Sherilyn McQueen and Um, catch us next time on Bound by Books and happy reading and happy writing. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.